0: Hello and welcome to Rugged Matrix International. I'm your host Juro Sen, and as always, I'm joined by Ben Kimber. G'day, Ben. Hello, Ben. How are you? Very good. Well, a lot of feedback on YouTube and now Facebook with our show last week. So many things to talk about. Let's not mess around. What is the strike issue of the week for you, Ben Kimber?
1: Well, mate, no games on the weekend in the Rugby Championship, a round. around uh, So I think a bit of the noise around that I want to talk about tonight is what are they doing with Super Rugby and the Super Rugby draw?
0: Mm. It has been an issue for a long time. I remember a couple of years ago they couldn't work it out and had to get Terry Doyle, who uh, the late Terry Doyle, who I interviewed, and I'll talk about him a bit later, uh, prior to the start of Super Rugby in 1996, uh, they had to go back to him and say, we can't work out the draw with the computer. Could you do it for us? And uh, it turns out it's always been complicated, adding a few more teams. It's crazy. Righto, so uh, that's the big issue of the week. Do you want to throw it forward to anything else? we get straight into it.
1: Let's get straight into the issue of the week, and then I think we can cover the other two games after yep, that. Yep, yep, let's do that. So for me, a uh, bit of noise around, and it, it really is disappointing. I mean, Sanzar looks rudderless in this, in this situation. We're talking about a competition that's in its... First year of a new structure and is clearly not a fantastic structure, a lot of issues with it, but they're only one year in. So the amount of noise that's around about what to do next and uh, what, what really gets me going is that I feel like the reason we have a poor draw or a poor structure now is because they're overreaching. They're trying to create a product before we're ready to have that product, before there's that, that general growth. We've got a New Zealand conference, which has got a nice, solid, strong structure. No one's talking about changing it when you look at Australia and you look at South Africa, the decisions seem to have been driven by politics or money, right? rather than what's good for the game and what's good for the growth of rugby. These things seem to be driven by, let's go for this convoluted structure to try to get the most bang for buck.
0: I think the fact is they need this content and they don't care who's playing, but as a result of all this content. We've got so many poor games, mismatches. Now, Sean Fitzpatrick's comments about a two-tiered competition makes sense a little bit, but I, I would go even further. I would brush half the competition, make it 10 teams. I've said this forever, so I haven't just come up with it. 10 teams, home and away. We get used to the teams, bin. I think it needs to come back to 10. High-quality, near-test level, but probably more exciting in terms of play, competition matches, to me, that is the solution. I know it sounds like you're going backwards, you know, not having more teams, but you can have a secondary competition that isn't as high quality, maybe a relegation system. Over to you, mate.
1: Well, I'd like to say that, you know, fair play to both yourself and Sean Fitzpatrick. It's good to hear ideas, but yeah. I think this is We're a very... both good players. <laughs> both good players. But this is a very frustrating conversation to have. Yeah. And let me tell you why I think it's... 20, 20... years down the track. Well, no, but I think it's way out of line right now. Can you imagine what you as a broadcaster who've just forked over all the cash mm. for a structure in a certain number of games to be suddenly having these people say to you, oh, uh, actually, no, we're thinking about dropping a team, we're moving a team, something else might change. Uh, I don't know which, what the structure's going to be next time. It's madness. And I tell you right now, even you know, New Zealand signed up to this a year ago and they agreed to the final structure. So I agree with the New Zealand guys saying it doesn't make a lot of sense when we're dominating that everyone gets a final but that's a TV product. This has been yeah. set up for TV, they've got money in the bank from TV for these games, and no one is gonna really entertain any significant change unless the paymasters are looked after first.
0: Yeah, so the problem is, TV funds the game. So you sort of can't do without it in this modern era because there's a big competitive sports arena out there for athletes. You know, In, in Australia in particular, just battling in rugby to get players from rugby league, AFL, and football, soccer, and uh, who knows what else. Yeah. Um, you know, basketball is huge, it's under the surface, but in a few years' time, look out for basketball because it's taking all the juniors in Australia. They're really keen to play basketball, and there's your second rowers for a start, starter yeah. in rugby union. Yeah. So it's that grab for uh, talent and cash that is running the game at the moment, but what about the game itself? Someone's got to step back and say, hello, what made rugby great? And what made rugby attractive for the big TV networks to go with Super Rugby in 96 onwards?
1: Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Dwight Ashford on our Facebook page, uh, who was calling for a top eight rather than a conference system, which I think has merit too, right? Maybe more of a, a round robin style event in the top eight. But I think for me, I'm not sure yet in my mind what the right model is, but I think what is clear is the Sanzar discussion around global dominance, you know, it makes them sound silly. That Mm. sounds to me like people are positioning themselves for their next broadcast deal in a couple of years' time that we're going to dominate the globe. For me, it looks like less teams in South Africa, less teams in Australia. Get those numbers down so you get more quality. And if you've got to up the games and the round robin a a bit to, to cover your broadcast, do that. But for me, Australia has struggled with the teams that we have south africa have got a team a number of teams based on what looks like the politics of the the area rather than the actual the Mm. cattle that they have so i think we need we need those less teams and these stories that are floating out around now about we've got to draft players who aren't playing in new zealand into into, or south africa into australia or we've got to draft youngsters out of the queensland reds and get them into perth no i don't think we do
0: i think we have too many teams hundred percent and and i think when you have too many teams, the argument is if you have extra teams, you can bring players up to play with the best players. But once it's diluted so badly, it falls to pieces. Now, Fitzpatrick was saying and um, when he was on radio, I think he was on radio, um, forgive me if I'm wrong on the show that he was on, but uh, he suggested that uh, that the idea of a two-tiered system was that you might have you know, the Argentinian team playing against the Japanese team in Super Rugby, that's a great contest. But when they play against the Hurricanes, for example, mm. it's an absolute uh, whitewash, one way traffic. And you don't want to see that. Mm. But I don't know, if, uh, I think you can wedge the, 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 that system together, that conference system, or that sort of two tiered system together. Uh, let's have a look at Europe then, how they've had their pain as well, haven't they, in Europe, trying to decide what is the best way to go and money's been a big thing there as well
1: yeah and i I remember um you know as a general statement i really love a two-tier system because bringing that excitement of promotion and relegation into a competition is excellent uh when i was uh, working at fox sports back there. We had Gil McLaughlin from the AFL come in and talk about, you know, AFL and the one thing that he said that he missed in his game was that promotion relegation. So even at the bottom of the competition, you've got some excitement and you've got your fans involved because they're trying to dodge those relegation spots or conversely they're in the second tier and they're trying to work their way up. Um, But if I can just expand on, on the number of teams in Australia... Uh, We had Graham Henry, and I think we didn't talk about it last week. Graham Henry came out and said. We weren't
0: trying to avoid it, we just never got to it.
1: (laughs) But Graham Henry came out and said, and it got Michael Checker's back up, came out and said, the worst Wallabies team that he's seen. All right? Now, whatever you might think of that statement, Graham Henry is allowed to make it. He's a very experienced man, he's been around the block, and this is a Wallabies team that has been struggling. Mm. But in the same week following that, there's a couple of other quotes that I want to call out that just show that that we don't have the structure right in Australian rugby, that we do need to rethink it, not just at that super level, but underneath as well. Michael Checker's has come out and said, all the players, the Wallabies going back in the NRC need to lift. He's looked at his own potential squad members and said, the Australian players playing in the NRC look like they're just out for a fitness run. They don't look like smashing it up. Uh, One exception to that, Tola who came into the the squad this week, who he he rapped. Um, But the other quote that I was really surprised didn't get more air in Australia in the last week or so was Todai Kefu, who you and I have talked about, as saying, "God, we wish we had him now at, you oh, know, yes. at the back of the scrum." Amazing number eight for Australia. He's up there coaching in the NRC uh, uh, in Queensland. Uh, Kefu, uh, who was was trying to lure Lapeti Tamani uh, to play for Tonga, trying to get him to go play for Tonga, uh, and but said, "If you get the chance to play for the Wallabies, take it. Your family will still be as proud of you if, as if you played for Tonga." Um, but in the in the discussion around Lapeti Tamani. Uh, Kefu said, quite simply, no one in the Wallabies really scares you. He was giving uh, Lapetti a rap, but at the same time, what a backhander to the Wallaby pack. He said, no one in the Wallabies scares you. Basically saying, this Wallaby pack has no authority. So we've had a week where there's been some real insight into the way people are thinking that the Wallabies and the structure around them aren't there, and even Checker himself is saying it.
0: Mm. I can understand Checker defending himself, that's uh, only a human trait. But here's the thing with Todai Kefu, who I know well. I was his media manager at the Wallabies. I'd covered Queensland rugby for a long time with the ABC and Channel 7. We've uh, not only been at rugby, we've had a few drinks together off the field, quite a few actually. So I know him well and we get on well, but here's a couple of things about him. Firstly, he always speaks the truth. He's not interested in any uh, spin doctoring, so it can be frustrating at time when mm. I'm saying, "Hey mate, you might want to, not want to talk about this," but then he'll talk to you, Ben. And As a journo, they're the guys you love. Yeah, yeah, you do love, and and that's what I love about him. He would never get overly excited before a game. He could be standing in the tunnel talking about the next race at Doomben at five minutes before three before kick off, and then he would just go out there and smash up the opposition because he knew how to switch on. That's what mm. I care for. But I remember when he was man of the match in France against France in Melbourne. And he actually broke his hand in the first five minutes and was still mad of the match. And mm. we said, uh, can you just keep that on the down low? And then within two seconds, he said, oh, yeah, I broke my hand. And so, OK, <laughs> everyone knows about it now. So Todd, I was never interested in, uh, you know, and no one wanted, to, wanted him to deceive anyone. We just said, well, maybe just don't tell anyone yet uh, mm. so we can work out what's going on uh, with, and protect your injury. But he would be honest about it. So I'm saying all this as a backgrounder about who Todd Kefu is, and he's a pretty um, upfront, uh, no-nonsense sort of guy. So when he's asked about the physicality of the Wallabies, Ben, he's not going to lie about it. Yeah. If he thinks they're not up to it and scaring the... Then it's not about scaring them. and Maybe fear is not the right... Word, but, you know, at least respecting the opposition, then um, I think Todai Kefu is absolutely on the money and he deserves respect because uh, he he's done so much as a player to earn the respect of New Zealand and vice versa. Whenever we had a game against New Zealand and I was the media manager of the Wallabies, I would always save Todai Kefu for the All Blacks test because he respected New Zealand more than anyone else and he would say things about playing in New Zealand where everyone else was a bit dodgy about it, a bit fearful about it, he would say there would be nothing greater than to beat New Zealand in New Zealand because he respected them so much and that was the way he approached his rugby and that's the way he approached the guys across the Tasman. It was all about respect. Mm. So given all that respect, his background in the game and his honesty, his brutal honesty, he can say what he likes. He can say like what Graham Henry said. You know, he's got the justification. He can I say think he
1: can say what he's likes. So I'm a bit surprised that it didn't get more attention. As I said, it was one quote in a story I saw out of the Courier Mail in Brisbane, but I thought it was really damning of saying, this Wallaby pack needs some grunt. And I think that's a nice way to throw into some of the discussion that we had on YouTube this week around the yeah. team. You mentioned Kefu breaking his hand. Uh, across the Tasman, all the back rowers have been in the wars this week. Kano's done his shoulder. Sam Kane's still got his hammy, he's no good. David Pocock put a really... Uh, gross picture oh, of his hand I wish there was a bit of warning if you uh, yeah, see it on Instagram of his, his hand his being operated on, uh, <laughs> on, on on Twitter I think it was um, it was but, on all, of the, all the platforms <laughs> yeah. well I had a good discussion on YouTube uh, around some of the you know the back row stuff and some of the players and I named a wallaby side that I'd like to see um, I'm going to post it again on Rugger Matrix so have a look but essentially it was it was Slipper Tatafu if he was fit but he's not More Kepu Simmons Coleman back row Fardy Hooper McMahon Farty has to come back in to face South Africa I can't understand why he's been in and out And I really like to hear from the viewers So if you've seen something in Farty's games this year That suggests to you that he shouldn't have been in the team The Wallabies team Tell me Because all I see is a guy that's been really trucking it up And, and yeah. battling his heart out He needs to be back in the side And in the, in the back line We also talked last week about changes there that, that I think we need to make our defensive structure And our attack structure a little bit more certain um, Genia, Cooper, uh Uh, Spate, Hodge, Falau. Naivalu, I think, is going to come in at some point and hail it petty. Now, I'm not saying that's the team right now all the way through, but I think that's a team that could go really well.
0: All right, so where do you see Cooper then and his long-term future?
1: Quade Cooper? Yes. Quade Cooper, I think, you've got to give either Quade Cooper or Bernard Foley that red-hot go at being the long-term number 10, and right now I think it has to be Quade. I think his positional kicking is better. I think he, he sends players into gaps and positions the, the back line and players off him better, and both have defensive issues. So I think Foley's had a good crack at it. We've seen some good things out of him, particularly in the World Cup. But right now, I think Quade's the man. And I think maybe a straight-running Reese Hodge outside him, Israel Folau into 13, running off the Quade Cooper cutout and getting a bit more involved, I think that's the kind of back
0: line I'd like to see. See, so, yeah, I think the, the problem with Australia is that they spent a long time under Michael Foley earning respect as a scrummaging unit. You know, they have been hammered as a scrummaging unit and they wanted to get all that respect. So they sort of did a pretty good job with that. But it's, it's a constant chase for Australia because naturally Australians don't have a dominating pack. So we've got to work out, Australia's got to work out, hold on, what makes Australia a good rugby team? Can we, can we sort of fake it? And i And I mean that with respect to fake the fake the the tight five sort of um, competitiveness with the best in the world, the New Zealands and of course England and uh, South Africa, mm. or do we concentrate on what the great things uh, I shared out a clip the other day was the, the rugby from the from the seventies and 80 s of the great mm. Australian backlines. you know obviously the game's changed, and everyone says wish we could go back to that save a coach. Well a lot of those players have been coaches anyway, and it's because everyone becomes. Uh, more sophisticated about their approach and defence and stuff like that so you can't play the game the same way as you did in the 80s but gee it was great to watch and you know i think australia needs to take a few of those lessons from the past and remember what made australia good and uh, i think uh, it starts with the backs
1: i think it does and the other thing i'll just run through that back line one more time because there's another point i want to make and i stumbled over it there before but i went from guinea to Cooper, Henry Spade on one wing, Hodge at twelve, Falow at thirteen, the new man Valo. I'm hoping he comes good at international level, that's clearly a gamble, and then Hale at Petty at fifteen. And the other reason that I'm I'm talking about that lineup, for what I would like to see, is because that is the position those guys play during the super rugby. Yeah. None of this switching and changing, guys who have to step out and step in and, and, then, a, and then defense there over here and and, and attack oh. there over here. But guys mm. who have been playing there all year the number of the jersey they're used to, the place in the back when they're used to, and try and build some continuity is what I'm looking That's
0: for. That's my uh, pet hate. And players that have to step up to a higher representative level, play in a busy- position they haven't been playing in all year. To me, that doesn't make sense. Mm. You know, there are the odd player that can do that, You know, uh, but you, know, you well, have I'm, to be super special.
1: Well, I'm going to touch on a famous one that mm. was picked apart by your mate, Beaver Jones, uh, Leon McDonald, I think yes. it was, back in the, uh, in the in the 03 World Cup mm. and just got picked apart as a guy that was out of position
0: Yeah and you know it's, um, it was frustrating like someone like Tim Horan put on the wing for Australia that happened as well mm. uh, he could play there though <laughs> that's yeah. um, that's sort of going the other way around where but although wing is a, is, a, is a specialist position on its own it shouldn't be dismissed in that way yeah. so it, it's not you know you've got one of the world's best centres playing on the wing vice versa Players should be playing in that position. They do playing all year. Also combinations. That's a big thing for me. You know that also uh, is a great way for a side to automatically come together when you've got combinations around around your your 15 starting 15 mm. that you can run out on the paddock. So, yeah, oh, that's an interesting side there, Ben. Can I just say when I said it starts with the backs for Australia? That's not dismissing the forward pack. Yes, mm. I know, you have to have at least parity, and, and now the contact zone is so much more ferocious. Mm. It is really hard to win your ball. So, yes, you need that, but we shouldn't overly focus on that. We should try and, yep, we're, we're never going to be the best scrum in the world. I, just, I think it's admirable, but it's not going to happen. It's what, if you just get
1: parity. Yeah. Now, I think you, you're talking about getting that power back in the forward pack. Kefu says we're not feared. You know, I'd like to see Sean McMahon in there at 8 I'd want to see Farty at six. I'd probably put Slipper in for Co because we're not seeing the ball carrying. We need more guys who are going to carry the ball and we, Wallabies need it this weekend. Loftus first, Feld, Pretoria, the Springboks are, you know, on one of their, their favourite grounds. It's going to be a tough game. You know it's going to be a battle and you need to get the big boys in there.
0: And the teams that do well quite often have a hooker that's world class. Yeah. yeah. You know, really knows what they're doing. That not only hits their targets but runs around the field brilliantly.
1: Yeah. I was a big fan of Bismarck Du actually. He was a a, a
0: bit of a favourite of mine.
1: Uh, On the South African side, interesting, uh, Yantis, you know, his days may be numbered if he keeps playing the way he's going. I hope he gets a few more chances after his super season. Uh, The skills that he brings, I hope that he settles in more at international level, but so far he's had a bit of a rough trot, particularly... Uh, last week against uh, the All Blacks, but Pat Lambie's fit again after his concussion. He's back in the mix, and Willie has also been recalled into the squad. So there's some depth there that the South African teams are bringing back in, and that should be a really interesting match-up.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, do you want to go to the uh, Strike Viewer Comments
1: of the Week? The Strike Viewer Comments of the Week, uh, what I would like to say is uh, some great traction on Facebook this week, guys. We've been really pleased with the amount of viewers we're getting and, and the comments. We keep them coming. We love to hear what you've got to say. It really does drive different thoughts into us. I want to shout out to some of our uh, our Facebook uh, posters this week, particularly those who tagged underneath some of their friends. Mark Maloney, Bobby Payne, Ripera Harawira, uh, David Yardley wanted both the, catch and the captain and the coach gone from the Wallabies, Mario Kerahai, Noble Williams, Kane Mitchell, Maxi Utrich, Misa Mo uh, Mo'ananu... Uh, Milanita Vakatau, and Corey Taylor, Dino Taita, and Alan Bunce. Oh, Thanks, guys. Ben, go Ben. Keep the, <laughs> keep the comments coming. But the guys I want to call out uh, on YouTube, remember we had the we had the YouTube handle of the week last week.
0: Oh, yes. Um,
1: and we had, uh, this week there's a couple. One, Hypo Relaxer. <laughs> hypo Relaxer wants to have a beer with us, and we said we might set that up. <laughs> we might do a show in a pub.
0: That's our second job. But yeah. the
1: handle of the week, Erotic Chewbacker. Ah, uh, yes. Erotic Chewbacca, mate. Uh, that just not a great uh, YouTube conjures handle.
0: up all sorts of imagery. No, no. The, uh, being the, a Star Wars
1: fan... Being a Star Wars fan. I think fan. I've got it down here, actually. Now, the that's comment it. of the week, though, and uh, this will be a nice throw into the other game we want to talk about, Argentina-New yep. Zealand. Uh, Sport Tempest, though there's a Q in there, not sure about the pronunciation, but Sport Tempest, he really challenged me. Last week I talked about the fact that Reese Hodge, uh, Tim Horan was saying, play Reese Hodge on the wing, not at 12. Uh, ease him in. And I was saying, don't ease him in, play him in the centres. We don't see the All Blacks. Centres going in via the wing, uh, which we haven't recently, but he reminded me that they've done it plenty of times in the past. Tana Umaga, Sonny Bill, Richard Carhu, he all started on the wing. But the point I replied to him was in those cases, most of the time those guys were talent. You were trying to fit into a side where there was an established centre pairing, more often than not. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Whereas with Hodge, there's opportunity in the centres. Right, we, yeah. we don't have a settled 12 and 13. And i think there's a chance to get him in there
0: oh i'd agree with that absolutely absolutely can i also uh give uh, one of our youtube uh commenters uh, a big rap Uh, casual observer i think he should be renamed as sharp observer because he's noticed that uh, the devices in front of us tend to change week to week and i had the samsung uh, tablet last week and he gave me a big rap about that but uh as a tech reporter i'm lucky enough to swap every week and Ben's still got the uh, smaller iPad Pro, and this is the Surface Book, which Small is... Small but perfectly formed, mate. No, <laughs> Surface Book's actually on the... it's on the blink a bit, actually. Yeah. So that's why uh, behind it, look at that. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> Old school to keep it going. Um, but casual observer. Uh, other than picking up on our technology that we have on the table, and don't forget, uh, thanks to Strike for the viewer comments of the week, um that uh, he noticed that in the 20 years of professionalism in his little post, that uh, the timeline has now elapsed to a period where kids 20 years ago saw a career path laid out for them. And New Zealand have hit that timeline perfectly. I'd love to actually do a, a nice timeline about how things worked out since 1996 when Super Rugby started. And I think he makes a really valid point about how New Zealand have really that along the way. Now, go back to Australia. And, uh, when the 99 World Cup was Australia's and the Blederslow Cup was held for five years in a row, it was held because Australia got the jump on everyone else with professionalism, sparked by Rod McQueen and the Brumbies. So the, the Brumbies really generated this jump start for the Wallabies. Eventually, though, <clears throat> based on pure talent and the will to catch up. New Zealand, South Africa, England, everyone else has caught up to Australia with the professionalism line. Now it's professionalism plus talent and also smarts. So whether or not New Zealand have got to this 20-year mark, have they got to a point now where their lead Mm. in terms of professionalism and talent development... Over that period of time, because once again, you've seen this, this this is a true career path for rugby players now. This, that didn't exist before then. There was Mm. test matches and maybe a bit of club rugby in Europe, whatever else. But there was a true week to week earn that you could earn in the Southern Hemisphere and a really good one. Has New Zealand got a lead now that, that any, that no one can match? What do you think, Ben?
1: Well, I think I think for now,
0: casual observer.
1: Well, I think I think for now, it's obvious that they have a lead, right? That's the first thing that we've been talking yep. about the last few weeks. And I think that what's been clear is that if, is through that 20 years, their their model is better than what we have in Australia and what we see in South Africa through the the contracting structure, the way that, that the number of teams compared to the amount of talent they've got coming through, they're clearly a way ahead. And they've also then skilled up, right? We can mm. see that in the skill base, the way they've brought all their players along a professional journey more so than we have, more so than South Africa has. That doesn't mean that is an insurmountable gap by any means. Things can be changed up, things can be moved along, uh, and you can respond. Now I think what we'll, we'll see now is the way that we've seen the, the All Blacks forward playing, there's gonna be that demand coming through in other countries to make sure they match that. What the All Blacks do next, we don't know, but you'll definitely see other countries respond. And another part of the conversation we've been having on, on YouTube and on Facebook has been that the All Blacks will lose, right? They're on a, a great streak now, and how, how long it goes, we don't know. And, all Blacks fans, enjoy it while you can. They'll lose at some point, and there'll be someone who gets their stuff together, yeah. right, and, and works it out on the park. Might be Eddie Jones in 2018, <laughs> the way they're going, but it's going to happen, and when that happens, you'll see things start to shift again.
0: All right, so the one team that's got it all right so far, the rugby championship, it's all over. So New Zealand and Argentina, do they bother turning up?
1: But I think that's going to be a really interesting game. I think uh, New Zealand are on the road to Argentina. Argentina will find an extra leg at home. They're a, they're a rough, tough team and they'll they'll want to get stuck in at home. Uh, some interesting changes enforced on the All Black side. Clearly Sam Kane's hammy's still no good. He's, he's not coming with them. Uh, Kano is out with a shoulder injury. Yeah. And that means there's going to be some changes to that back row. Some pressure on Kieran Reid to carry uh, a young Sevilla to a certain extent. And then who comes in on the side? Elliot Dixon, Liam Squire. Uh, Elliot Dixon's a really interesting kind of player. He's had one test cap, wasn't that impressive. Yet to see if he's up to this standard. We'll, we'll find out, I think, when we're in uh, Buenos Aires up against the, the Argentinians. He's also the kind of player, if he does get that start, that I find might be uh, susceptible to niggle. And if you're going to get niggled, you'll get niggled in Buenos Aires and they might drag a yellow card out of him. Yeah, how's, that, how's that for an Oscar Oh, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: I think they'll do well. Obviously, I believe uh, New Zealand will win the Test match. But I think uh, Argentina will target the last game against Estrada. I think they're into that sort of stuff. They, they definitely target the games they want to attack. Yeah. And uh, they had a red-hot go against the All Blacks and probably um, were a bit soft in the game against Estrada in the return game in uh, Perth. But I think uh, in this one, they will throw a fair bit at the All Blacks. But look out Australia in the last one. So Australia in South Africa. Mm -hmm. This is a big test. I think they will be missing Pocock because I think Pocock's a a valuable player against South Africa. Ben, what are your thoughts on that game?
1: He definitely has been. I'd said previously that I would have dropped him because I don't think we're getting the right mix in the back row. And I want to see McMahon. I want to see Fardy. I want to see these guys carry the ball. Look, I think this is a dangerous game for Australia. Uh, they gave away 70% of the ball against Argentina. They cannot do that uh, up, up against South Africa in South Africa. And a point I want to make too, I'll send this link out um, on the on the Facebook page and probably put it on YouTube too, but I had a look at some of the stats uh, on the Sanzar page. And across the, the top metres gained, the top defenders beaten, uh, the top line breaks, tries, assists, carries, yeah. no Australians. Yeah. New Zealanders and Argentinians, Australia's attack is not working well. They're just hanging in the the games. Right across there, the only one Israel Folau turns up on carries, where the Australians turn up is on most tackles and most missed tackles, both Pocock and Hooper at the top of those lists. Yeah. so I think really this game in South Africa is a danger one if Pat Lambie does come back in I think a bit more of a control around the park for South Africa I think it's danger I'm going to tip South Africa in a close one though that one could go either way
0: Yeah absolutely, it could be close but if South Africa get their uh, and I've been there many times on the sideline of South Africa and when they get their tails up and they get a roll on it could be ugly for Australia particularly if Australia goes into this game ban and, think, and starts talking itself up um, that's the big danger They've got to stop this talk about how good they are and actually put it in on the paddock. And then after that, yeah, maybe you'll get respected. Maybe Graham Henry will go a bit lighter <laughs> on that. So um, I, I can see, even though... And I know there was one comment on uh, on YouTube as well about uh, surprise that I thought South Africa was so good given the, the state of the game there and the commentators it, giving it mm. to them. Sometimes I think it's it's better to observe a team from the outside and, and, and they'll have seen this before with South Africa but there's so much talent in this side and it is due for regeneration and I think to me that's why South Africa are going to be dangerous and as you're right I'm absolutely on your um, hammer here and I I agree with you Ben that um, this is a massive danger game for Australia doesn't mean they can't win it but they have to park the talking and do it on the field because if they don't they're in for a touch-up.
1: All right, I'm gonna to go to New Zealand by about 15 to 20, South Africa by about five.
0: All right, uh, same on New Zealand, but I think South Africa could be 15. So Australia, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be a good trip to South Africa, uh, put it that way, and then they have to go to London. Yeah, for the Argies. For the play Argentina, so look out for that one. Ben Kimber, thanks for joining us for episode two, two, one. Thank you, Jiro, and everyone, keep the comments
1: coming. As I've said, it really makes us think and pushes us around. If we're wrong, tell us we're wrong. Tag a
0: friend, post a comment. Yeah, absolutely, and share it out. Thank you, Ben Kimber, and thank you for joining us, and please keep the messages coming on social media and and spread the word. It's been a phenomenal couple of weeks, and uh, we're really glad to have everyone on board, and we'd love to come out and do a show, uh, a public show in a pub somewhere. I know Ben's been hammering me on that one. (laughs) So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Matrix International.